seaweed coming cauliflower, cauliflower cheese, a cauliflower cheese, a cauliflower cheese, keep calm and cauliflower cheese, cauliflower cheese, a cauliflower cheese. Yes, hello, hello everybody. You weren't expecting me appearing in the middle of the week, appearing from behind the arras like Polonius and Hamlet. Here I am with another episode of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Welcome along to the program. It's lovely, lovely, lovely to have you here. It's a special election. It's now November the 3rd, 2020. It is an election special. My own slightly eccentric, slightly chappy-ish take on the US election. Um, you can see this podcast really is almost like a, a little bit of a hidden track on an album. That's how I would see it anyway. And uh, here are some of the top hidden tracks on any albums. Uh, you've got Dr. Dre, Bitches Ain't Shit, um, as, uh, as one album that we, uh, that, uh, that we could describe as a, as, as, a, as a hidden album, I would say. Um, another a possibility for a uh, hidden album is uh, a hidden song on an album, sorry. TV on the Radio by Mr. Greaves. Nirvana Endless Nameless. The Beatles Her Majesty. Another hidden luxurious track on an album. Coldplay The Escapist. Maybe that could be Donald Trump later. Who knows? Uncle Tired of Sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor Song. Janet Jackson can't be stopped. That's Biden. The surge. The Biden surge can't be stopped. The Clash Train in Vain. Kanye West Late. I think he's... Uh, a dollar short in a day late, I think, in terms of his presidential bid. And then Lauren Hill, Can't Take My Eyes Off Of You, is the number one hidden track. But I think I would squeeze Chappie's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese episode number 34 in their election special into the hidden tracks, the ghost tracks, the ones you weren't expecting. So I slipped this one in for you. I hope you like it. Um, some of the things that we may or may not be talking about today, uh, we have some top presidential facts. I did um, take out a uh, Motorola uh, 2210 flip phone and I managed to get hold of King George III. And he had some rather wonderful words of wisdom for Emperor Trump. Uh, we'll be uh, delving into that a little bit later. Maybe some also some uh, 17th century recipes as well, potentially. Um, also, uh, how me and Harry have, uh, several electoral college votes or electoral college votes already in our pocket. That's me and Prince Harry, obviously. Uh, we're going to have the meal, uh, wheel of misfortune and misinformation. We'll be spinning, um, and, uh, we'll see where, uh, it lands in terms of maybe some of Trump's lies and, uh, trying to pinpoint, uh, the looks and characteristics of some of Trump's supporters. Um, it's a despot special, so we have uh, a little bit of Henry VIII. He planned Anne Boleyn's beheading, apparently. 
Um, we'll also have a, uh, a little uh, historical Tinder game with the Emperor Nero in our Despot special, and obviously our election special. And we have some uh, we have some lovely jokes as well, um, as well with, with Trump and uh, Boris Johnson. I think Angela, Angela Merkel may be making an appearance as well. And we will be uh, finishing with a, a wondrous poem from Election Day 1884. So plenty to get our teeth into. Uh, plenty, plenty to get our teeth into today here on the podcast. And you're very, very welcome. I hope uh, you just make a little space in your day for me. Maybe brush some of the dust off or push some of the starch shirts in the closet so I can fit in there. And, uh, and make some room for a spe- special election keep calm and cauliflower cheese okay so let's start off with a little british uh, joke um just to kick off the program boris and vasily go to the beach two ukrainian men go off to the beach to see hot chicks they take off their clothes put on the speedo then go to sand as they stand many hot chicks look look out and talk sexy vasily not so much for boris the british prime minister when walk on sand hot chicks look at vasily not look at Boris. Boris finally says, all hot chicks be liking you, Vasily. No hot chicks look at or talk to me. What is your trick, comrade? Vasily leans in close and says, every time I go to the beach, I take a large potato and put in a speedo. Hot chicks look at the bulge and grow absolutely crazy. Boris starts walking up and down the sand back and forth for many minutes. Finally, Boris walks to Vasily with a sad face. Why the sad face, Vasily asks. Boris says, I walk in the sand many times, stop and show my new bulge, no hot chicks, talk to me, many laugh, what do I do wrong? Vasily perplexed, he put his hands on hips and looked at Boris head to toe. Finally, Vasily say, maybe next time you put the potato in the front of your speedo. Okay, let's kick off with a few presidential facts here. So the only president to be unanimously elected was George Washington. He also refused to accept his presidential salary, which was $25,000 a year. I mean, I wonder why, maybe Trump's being paid in like gold bullion or something so he can build another Trump Tower potentially. Um, Grover Cleveland was the only president in history to hold, hold the job of a hangman. He was once a sheriff of Erie County, New York, and twice had to spring the trap at a hanging. Um, and Thomas Jefferson and John Adams once traveled to Stratford-on-Avon to visit Shakespeare's birthplace. While they were there, they took a knife to one of Shakespeare's chairs so they could take some wood home as souvenirs. So the illustrious King George III will be making an appearance. As I said, I did get hold of him on an old Nokia flip phone um, and managed to reach him uh, a few messages from beyond beyond the grave and words of wisdom for uh, our current uh, politicians. Um, So, but there's a lovely book about George III, Jeremy Black, um, and, and, and this is sort of a review I read about it. Madness is hilarious when it occurs two centuries ago. And the musical Hamilton, the character of King George III, bewigged and bonkers, provides comic relief amid the serious business of imagining a new nation. As a symbol of decay, he provides handy counterpoint to the fresh noble purpose of Alexander Hamilton. He's conveniently sinister, the despot underlying the American virtue. Paul George has not figured highly in British minds. His reign from 1760 to 1820 was marred by the American debacle, trouble in Ireland, war with France and the Gordon riots. Discord in Parliament and an embarrassing descent into lunacy when Alan Bennett brought the king centre stage in the madness of King George III. The customary British ambivalence gave way to ridicule, hilarity, 
and some pity. But while madness made George interesting, it obscured his accomplishments. For obvious reasons, Americans have retained strong feelings about George. He's a despot who they rebelled against, yet the caricature is paper thin. Americans needed a tyrant on whom to focus, yet George was far from that. In approach to the rebellion, he was ironically encumbered by his respect for parliamentary authority, despite charges his intentions were despotic. George was not interested in erratic opinion rejected pretensions of Westminster Parliament and negotiating directly with the colonial legislators. Indeed, it was the Americans who wanted George to act unconstitutionally. He refused. I never will acknowledge that the king of a limited monarchy can, on any principle, endeavour to change the constitution and increase his own power. No honest man will attempt it. George was referring to the Swedish troubles of 1772. Honest to a fault, he aspired to be the patriot king, the monarch, who rises above party politics that annoyed many politicians who preferred a partisan on the throne. The British people were nevertheless impressed most of the time and admired him. There, there was a widespread perception that George was a morally respectable Englishman uh, opposed to a bunch of mostly dissolute, power-grabbing aristocrats. That sounds quite familiar, doesn't it, indeed? Um, so anyway, um, moving back to our uh, little uh, election uh, uh, a little, a little election special here that we have, um, so we, uh, we, we, we do have a, a rather nice um, uh, little, uh, little feature here about some of the craziest uh, politicians. Normally we do the English eccentrics. Today we're uh, doing, uh, doing some American eccentrics here. So here's two of them. Sheriff Joe Arpaio um, of Maricopa County in Arizona. How crazy was he? He forced inmates to wear pink underwear, serve them rotting food, housed them in a tent city, which he described as a concentration camp, and where inside temperatures reached 145 degrees. Allegedly denied Latina inmates uh, sanitary products and forced them to sleep on sheets that were soiled. Created an armed volunteer posse that includes Steven Seagal. Actually, um, all these people that come over, they, couldn't, they could come with disease, there's no control, no health checks or anything. They check fruits and vegetable shows, but they don't check people. They're all dirty. I mean, this this sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? Um, somebody else says something like that. And then uh, Representative Joe Barton of Texas claimed carbon dioxide is not a pollutant because I'm creating it as I talk to you. It's in your Coca-Cola, your Dr. Pepper, your Perrier water. And then he apologized to then BP CEO Tony Hayward after the Gulf um, oil spill and owed uh, the White House uh, relief fund, a tragedy of the first proportion that private corporation can't, can be subjected to what I characterize as a shakedown. Um, and he also, walking back on his BP remark, he said, if anything I said this morning had been misconstrued to the opposite effect, I want to apologize for that misconstrued misconstruction. So apparently America is running scared of the uh, British satirical show Spitting Image, U.S. broadcasters will no longer be screening the satire for fear of offending the powerful. They have a Donald Trump puppet, a Joe Biden puppet, and even a Michelle Obama puppet. What the Spitting Image team don't have, though, is an American broadcaster brave enough to show the TV show. The revival of the Britain's most celebrated satirical series is not being screened in the U.S. after the television network NBC backed out at the last moment for fear of offending people. When Roger Law, the show's creator, confirmed plans to revive the comedy last year, he made it clear that America rather than Britain would be the show's primary target. 
if you're going to go after the bastards, you might as well go after the biggest bastards, and they're here. Uh, producers held talks with several networks and streaming services, agreeing the provisional terms with their NBC, which held the U.S. rights to the original Spitting Image show. However, the proposed deal fell through just six weeks ago. It's basically quite a difficult show to do in an environment that exists, particularly if you're attacking tall poppies. Uh, inevitably, you're attacking tall poppies. People get worried, he said. You can't really do Spitting Image unless you're fighting the corner of attacking everybody, but by doing that, people just get nervous. They think they want it, and then when they've got it, they start worrying about it. Uh, too much nervousness was at uh, the top of the NBC proceeding with the show, and the reason they didn't proceed with the show, um, skewering the physical features and hypocrisies of public figures. In anticipation of a US deal, the Spitting Image team spent considerable sums making puppets of American celebrities. The US version would feature sketches around the British show, including Meghan Markle, Boris Johnson, Greta Thunberg. Um, with extra local material to replace the characters with limited transatlantic profiles such as Donald Raab. Um, executives may have decided the show is raucously insulting British humour. The first episode includes Donald Trump tweeting from an unlikely part of his body would not play well with American family audiences. It did in the 1980s, I think, had Neil Kinnock, leader of the opposition against Margaret Thatcher, and he had a condom on top of his head. So it's just really you just need a sense of humor politics is funny satire is funny you have to laugh or you will cry so everything's about uh, statistics and uh, and really digging into the uh, data now on these election results so i tried to uh, predict the election by um, getting a huge map of the u.s it took over to, over most of my living room and putting uh, some of the uh, the uh, state foods the most famous state foods um, in each of the state categories. So um, I, I put three of Alabama uh, lane cakes in Alabama. And when I say three of them, uh, one for each of my dogs. Uh, in Alaska, I put three fillets of salmon. Arizona, I put some chimichangas. I put some cheese dip uh, on the Arkansas. Uh, avocado toast for California. Rocky Mountain oysters in Colorado. Uh, the cheeseburger in Connecticut, scrapple, pork scrapple in um, in uh, in Delaware, key lime pie in Florida, peaches in Georgia, spam in Hawaii. Anyway, you get the picture. So I put three items on each of the three states. Um, in each of the in each of the states, there were three food items, and I wanted to let my dogs go crazy. And then I would work out with proportional representation afterwards how much food had been eaten in each of the specific states. Um, I, I would uh, I would color code um, uh, each of the uh, each of the food items as well, either red or blue for Biden or Trump, and then I would see um, how much the dogs ate in each of the states, and then equated them to the electoral college. It sounds incredible, or the canine electoral college. Let's put it that way. So it sounds incredibly complicated, but these are the results that came up. So uh, listen in. This was the other day.
They're really, really digging into the burgers. Uh, a little bit of Texas toast there, I think. The Rocky Mountain oysters are surprisingly uh, very popular. They're really digging into the avocado toast. Uh, the, 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 I think I think Biden may have won California here, and I think he's won Texas as well. Uh, Maggie's gone for the key lime pie. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's it looks like to be a Biden sweep here. So I think the least favourite, the New Hampshire apple cider didn't do very well. The New Jersey pork roll, they all devoured that. But I think uh, I think Biden did take New Jersey. Uh, nobody touched the New Mexico chili, so that was a that was a write off. A couple of bites out the uh, New York apples. Uh, the North Carolina pork barbecue, uh, I think that fell for Trump on this occasion. Uh, the uh, toasted ravioli, uh, that also went for Trump. And the Mississippi biscuits did as well. The avocado toast was surprisingly popular. And the Louisiana crawfish, uh, that also uh, that did go for Trump. But some of the big states, the key lime pie, um, it, in Texas, it was absolutely devoured and went to Biden. So a real surprise there. Um, the Marion berries in Oregon, uh, there was a few, even a few pieces taken out, but I think the Philadelphia cheesesteaks came out on top, and I think that uh, pushed uh, Biden over the edge, and uh, he won Pennsylvania. Okay, so we have a little, another little Tom, Donald Trump, Boris Johnson joke. So Robert Garby, Donald Trump, and Boris Johnson are in a crashing aircraft. The problem is that there's only one parachute. So Boris says, look here, chaps, we're all democracies. Why don't we just vote on who gets the parachute? Donald and Boris agree. And even though they have limited time, they decide on a ballot system. They all cast their votes and Robert opens up the ballot box. Well, gents, it was tough. I think we have a winner. Donald, you got one vote. Boris, you also got one vote. Meanwhile, I got 27 votes. So we do have our Despot special here. Uh, it's a Tudor warrant book, one, one of many in the National Archives filled with bureaucratic minutiae relating to 16th century crimes. But this one was an extraordinary passage overlooked until now, which bears instructions from Henry VIII, uh, explaining precisely how he wanted his second wife, Anne Boleyn, to be executed. In this document, the king stipulated that although the queen had uh, been adjudged to death by burning a fire or decapitation, he'd be moved by pity to spare her more, uh, the more painful death of being burned by fire. But he continued, we, however, command of the head of the same man shall be cut off. Tracy Borman, a leading Tudor historian, described the warrant book as an astonishing discovery reinforcing the image of Henry VIII as a pathological monster. She told the Observer, as a previously unknown document about one of the most famous events in history, it really is gold dust. One of the most exciting finds in the recent years, what it shows is Henry VIII premeditated in a calculating manner. He knows exactly how and where he wants it to happen. The instructions laid out to Henry for William Kingston, Constable of the Tower, detailing how the king would rid himself of the late queen, uh, lately our wife, lately attained and convicted of high treason. 
Anne Boleyn was incarcerated in the Tower of London in 1536 for adultery. At her trial, she was de uh, depicted as unable to control her carnal lust. She denied the charges, but was found guilty of treason and would uh, be beheaded at the king's pleasure. Most historians agree that the charges were bogus and her only crime had been her failure to give Henry a son. Okay, so uh, we're going to spin the wheel of misfortune, um, and it's either to come up with one of Trump's lies over the years, or it may uh, land on uh, the characteristics of a Trump supporter. So let's just uh, let's just spin the wheel and see uh, see what we're going to have here. All right, let's see what we're going to let's see what we're going to have here. Um, yes. Okay. It's come up as a. Uh, it's come up as a Trump. Uh, a Trump lie. Windmills and cancer. Trump, who has tilted at windmills for more than a decade, made perhaps his strangest claim on the subject of the National Republican Congressional Committee. Uh, wind. If you uh, if you have any windmills near your house, congratulations. Your house just went down by seventy five percent in value, and they say the noise causes cancer. Okay, let's uh, let's spin the wheel again and see what we're going to get this time. It spins around and round. Will it? Uh, will it uh, hit onto uh, Lady Luck? Um, let's just see what's going to happen here. Mm -hmm. oh, still, still spinning. Round and round it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Oh, it's actually landed on a Trump supporter characteristic here. Um, and, um, oh, yep, it's landed on uh, nuts on uh, trucks. So uh, some, uh, some nuts, some balls hanging off a big uh, truck that's actually been raised into the air and nobody can get into it without a stepladder. So anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's try to roll it one more time here and just see uh, see what we're going to get. Um, let's just see what we're going to get this time around. If we spin the Wheel of Misfortune. Nope, oh, there we go. Have we, have we hit? Oh, yep, yeah, it, it's actually, uh, actually hit. Uh, it's uh, landed on another Trump characteristic. Trump supporter characteristic. It's mullets that look worse than the bleached blonde tiger king, and uh, and then we also have a, an ill-fitting T-shirt that reads "Sons of Trump, uh, MAGA fraternity." All right, let's uh, let's spin it again. Oh, it's uh, two uh, two lies in one here. Um, Trump has been lying about Veterans Choice since 2018, falsely claiming he's one that got it passed. His rendition on May the 30th, along with a similar claim in March, might have been egregious. I disagree with John McCain on the way he handled the vets because I said you got to get a choice. You would never be able to get a choice. I got the choice. This was a double lie. In addition to taking his own usual unearned credit for a program that President Barack Obama signed into law in 2014, Trump used his non-accomplishment as a cudgel against a deceased foe whose accomplishment it really was John McCain's, who was the author of the choice bill. What Trump signed in 2018 was the VA Mission Act, a law that expanded the modified the choice program. The full name of the VA Mission Act honors McCain. It's a John McCain, uh, Daniel Akaka, um, Samuel Johnson, 
maintaining the internal systems and strengthening integrated outside networks. So there was Trump and two lies in one. Okay, we'll spin it one more time. The Wheel of Misfortune. Let's see what it lands on. Round it, round it goes again. Is it going to be a Trump lie? Or is it going to be uh, a characteristic of a Trump supporter? Let's see. Okay, it's a double whammy here. Um, it's another ill-fitting shirt with Trump as Rambo, and it's uh, bad dancing to the infamous gay anthem, YMCA. Okay, so as I said earlier on, I did summon uh, King George III to give a few words of wisdom uh, to the politicians, mainly Emperor Trump, um, with the election today. I, I reached him, I did, I, I did a little bit of time travel by calling into an old Nokia flip phone, a 2210, and um, these, are, these are the results that happened. Okay, so we summoned Big Ben. This allowed us to go back in time and make the phone call. All right, there we go. So we summoned that, and then I managed to reach him by going back in time on the Nokia flip phone. to go back a long, long way. It's 300 years and delve into his madness. Yes, hello, hello. Your Majesty, are you on the line? Are you on the line, sir? Are you on the line? Hello? Oh, hello, Chappie. How are you, my dear boy? Hello, it's, it's King George here. It's King George. So I just wanted to just to make make a little announcement and little visitation on this very very important day, uh, and, and and summon uh, the decency to go out and vote today. But I just wanted to to talk to uh, Donald, uh, mainly Donald, and, 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 and so what is that ridiculous wig you're wearing? Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous wig you're wearing. Um, it's blonde. I mean, you need a white wig, man. A white wig. You powder it up, and, and and you puff it up. It needs to be buffant, man. Not 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 a not a blonde weasel on your head, you know. Um, anyway, and, and a little bit more starch on your clothes as well, and that ridiculous long tie. You need a frilly a frilly tie. You need a frilly tie instead of a ridiculously long red tie. It looks absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, and so powder one's hair. And and you know what? If you're going to eat, if you can eat all that, all that, um, all that Donald nonsense and fish fillets, then then you you need you need to wear some tights, man. Keep it all in. Hold it all in. It's like you know, hold all that stomach in and all that all that awful junk food. You know, I think you should try eating some maybe a little Cornish pasty or a plate of faggots or something. I think that would be absolutely delicious. 
And, and, and just one thing, if you, if you do all that dolls, it's very chewy. I, I used to swap my wooden false teeth with, with, with George Washington. And, and, and he used to love swapping the teeth. You know, my majestic, magisterial uh, wooden teeth. And, and I highly recommend that you and Joe, you know, break some bread and swap your teeth as well. You know, the, the wooden teeth is much better than these ceramic versions or, or any of those other sort of silly old gnashes. And, and please, don't waste any more tea in Boston Harbour. That's absolutely ridiculous. It's very silly. And, 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 you know, and you don't want to waste tea. You know, I prefer a nice strong Yorkshire tea or PG tips. Absolutely, absolutely spiffing, spiffing and delicious. And, 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 and yes, I, I would drink tea, not Coke. Coke's absolutely insipid. You don't want to drink Coke. You want to wash down a nice cup of reddish tea. Anyway, um, everybody go out and vote today. This is your Majesty King George talking. And uh, I can always take you back. If you know, if, 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 if the Mad Emperor wins again, I can always take you back. That's perfectly fine. I'll, I'll gladly take back Take back the USA, and, and, and you can come and have some tea and crumpets with me later. Okay, good luck, everybody. Go and vote. Bye-bye. Cheerio. Uh, thank you, uh, Your Majesty. Thank you so, Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. Highly esteemed. Thank you. Uh, thank you, sir. Okay, so we have our Despot Special Historical Tinder Competition. Um, so Rome's Emperor Nero is often written off as mad, but it's grossly misreading an intelligent but deciding eccentric man. Nero came to the throne after the death of Claudius and seemed to offer Rome a bit of stability. There's no doubt that he was ruthless. He uh, murdered his stepbrother and rival for the throne, Britannicus, had two of his wives murdered, he kicked one of them to death himself, and even engineered the grisly murder of his own mother. However, some of the most colourful stories about him are regarded as suspect with the hostility towards him by many ancient writers. The hostility can be traced to what the Romans considered his definite and rather demeaning eccentricities. Unlike his predecessors and successors who made their name on the battlefield, Nero's uh, interest were cultural and artistic, and he had penchant for writing poetry or playing the lyre, uh, might have been tolerated as a ruler had he been and kept it strictly private. But Nero openly paraded to his artistic side, forcing senators to sit for hours during his dramatic performances and introducing a poetry competition into the Olympic Games so he could win it. Dancing and performing in public were generally considered uh, ill-becoming as Rome's chief citizen, but it's probably to this disgust that led to his most celebrated story of eccentricity. That he sang and played the lyre uh, while watching the spectacle of the city of Rome ablaze Fiddling while Rome burns, as the saying goes. It's almost certainly untrue. Nero may have possibly have remarked on the spectacle, which did invoke memories of the destruction of Troy, but he seems to, in fact, have been directing the firefighting rather than uh, rhapsoding. However, since he built a massive golden house for himself in the middle of an area of destruction, perhaps with bad press after the event was only to be expected. So he let Rome burn and he built a gold house for himself, and maybe of himself. Hmm, I wonder who that sounds like. Okay, we finish with more, one more Trump, Boris, Angela Merkel, Pope joke this time. Plane with five passengers on board, Donald Trump, Boris Johnson, Angela Merkel, the Pope, and a 10-year-old schoolboy. The plane is about to crash and there's only four parachutes. Trump said, I need one. I'm the smartest man in the USA and I'm needed to sort out the problems of the world. He takes one and then jumps. Boris said, I'm needed to sort out Britain. 
he takes one and jumps. The Pope said, I need one as the world needs a Catholic church. He takes one and jumps. Angela said to the 10-year-old, you can have the last parachute. I've lived my life. Yours is just starting. The 10-year-old replied, don't worry. There are two parachutes left. The smartest man in the USA took my school bag. So thank you very much for listening to the secret election edition of the podcast. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. I'll be back in my normal situ um, probably towards the weekend. Uh, but uh, thank you for joining me. It's been an absolute delight to have you here. And we finish with a poem by Walt Whitman, Election Day, November 1884. If I should need to name, O Western world, your powerfulest scene and show, t'would not you be Niagara, nor ye limitless prairies, nor ye huge rifts of canyons, Colorado, nor you Yosemite, nor Yellowstone, with all its spasmic geyser loops ascending to the skies, appearing and disappearing, nor Oregon's white cones, nor Huron's belt of mighty lakes, nor Mississippi's stream. The seething hemisphere's humanity is now, I'd name the still, small voice, vibrating America's choosing day. The heart of it is not the chosen, the act itself the main, the quadrennial choosing. The stretch of north and south, Arouse sea, board, and inland Texas to Maine, the prairie states, Vermont, Virginia, California. The final ballot shower from east to west, the paradox and conflict. The countless snowflakes falling, a swordless conflict. Yet more than all Rome's wars of old or modern Napoleon's, the peaceful choice of all. All good or ill humanity welcome the darker odds, the dross. Foams and ferments the wine it serves to purify, while the heart pants life glows. These stormy gusts and winds waft precious ships, swelled Washington, Jefferson's and Lincoln's sails. Go and vote today, ladies and gentlemen. I will be back soon. Cheerio for now.